How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again on Wednesday, July 21st, 2021 by none other than Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everyone? We have a champion on our hands. We do. We watched a great game last night. We watched the Milwaukee Bucks get their first title. Um, I mean, great I mean, not, series. oh yeah, great series. Actually, I guess it wasn't the Bucks' first title, but it's their first title in like fifty years, or that I can re- basically is their first title in a long, long time. But yeah, the I mean, first one since the set, first one since the seventies when uh, Oscar Robinson and uh, Robertson and uh, Kareem won it together. Yeah, no, that feels like forever ago. And honestly, I feel like it's forgotten about those two guys played with each other, but. First off, I mean, we got to start with Giannis. That was one of the greatest performances I've seen in any basketball game, period, last night. Not only did he dominate on the offensive end, but he was a beast on the defensive end, too. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. He had five freaking blocks last night. Five blocks. I mean, Giannis was a menace all over the court. He was absolutely unstoppable. I mean, there was a point in time, and so in the in the second quarter, um, the Bucks went ice cold from the field. They scored like 16 points. But in that quarter, anybody not named Giannis Antetokounmpo that attempted a field goal was one for 15. One for 15. Giannis was absolutely unstoppable in this game. And, you know, it felt like every single thing he tried, it just didn't work. And he wouldn't let it work. I mean, he got going downhill. He just absolutely abused DeAndre Aiden and everybody. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what we've been saying. Um Giannis is just that kind of guy, you know, where he trusts his teammates and he gets everybody involved. He knew this was the game where he had to take over, and that's what he did. I mean, I think this was such a great series by him, and I think this cemented him as, you know, already one of the top 20 players to play the game. I'm not going to sit here and debate that where he's at and whatnot on the list, but I think he's around, you know, that 20 range just because, you know, he really trusts his teammates and he gets everybody else involved. And honestly, too, I think Chris Middleton really changed my entire opinion of him. You know, I thought Middleton, you know, was obviously an all-star, but he's got that inconsistency, which will always be there. I'm not even going to say he doesn't have that, but Middleton probably hit the biggest shot of his career, which is that pull-up too. I mean, this game got all the way down to be a three-point game. It was at the very end of the shot clock. Middleton hit the big-time pull-up too. They put them back up by five and pretty much sealed the entire game. I thought that was a massive shot for, you know, he shot six for 13 that night, but thought he was a mass. I thought it was a massive shot by him, but Milwaukee coach Bud did a good job coaching too. You know, like in that second quarter, it really felt like they got away from that Giannis and Middleton pick and roll that they were using to abuse everybody. And I feel like they really got back to it. And ultimately that's what helped them win this game. Yeah. I, I mean, you hit the name most of that right there. Uh, Giannis was a le- that was a legendary performance by him. He's the modern day Shaq, except he hit his free throws last night. I mean, 17 for 19. Yeah, and and listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that like he figured out how to shoot free throws. I mean, he did, sure, for a game. He did it for another game in the series, but like, I mean, it. it let's see what he can do for a whole season. If he can, if he can knock down free throws next season, there's legitimately no way to stop this guy. And it's going to just average forty every single game, which would be remarkable to see. With Middleton, um, I, I maybe this is a take that it's just hot off the press. It's, we, we just saw it. Uh, I, I would take Chris Middleton, a player on my team, if I was a coach or GM over Paul George, uh, I I've seen enough from Chris Middleton that he is in the category. He plays really good defense. He's not like a drew holiday on defense, but Paul George is supposed to be this great defender that he just gets scored on every time he plays a great offense, offensive player in this league. I, I, I don't want to like, 
talk about Luca too much, but Kawhi and Paul George are supposed to be the best two-way players or one of the best two-way players in the league for some time now. And Luca scored at will against both of them for most of that entire series. If you look at the numbers, and I'll actually pull them up here. Uh, this is for Drew Holiday guarding, um, you know, players for the for the Suns, right? Mm-hmm. So, in Game Five, Chris Middleton primary, the the primary guy he was guarding fifty percent of the possessions he was guarding Devin Booker. Thomas, how did Devin Booker play last night? How did he shoot? Devin Booker played awful last night. His exact Thank stat you. line last night was eight for twenty-two. Thank you, Chris Paul. Had a pretty good game. Shot like 11 of 19. He only, he only was guarded 16% by Drew Holiday. All the other games were over 35%. and 36%, 35%, so 38%. So whoever in, – and I'll send this to you. I'll tweet it to – or I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. The, the person who was guarded by Drew Holiday the most for whatever game you want to look at had one of the worst games that they've ever had shooting in these playoffs. So that trade – turned out to be 1,000% worth it because Drew Holiday made a massive difference. No, I agree with you completely, Ben. And look, Drew Holiday's offense definitely got exposed. Yeah, in game five, he absolutely went off. I mean, I would argue his offense was a difference maker in game five and the reason why the Bucks won. I mean, he had 27 points. He went absolutely off. Last night, Drew Holiday went back to being Drew Holiday, four for 19, two for seven from three, 12 points. I mean, let's just face it. Holiday is easily, I mean, I would say maybe besides Kawhi, he's the best on-ball defender in the entire NBA. After that, at that point, after that, though, I mean, there's definitely a, there's definitely like a drop-off. But Holiday's defense is so much better than his offense that it doesn't even matter what his offense does. You know, like I'm fairly he's, he's satisfied. He's worth the contract. De- yeah, absolutely. With that defense that he brings, he's so much worth the contract, and that's what makes him such a valuable asset. I mean, he literally, like we like we said a couple podcasts ago, it's like he predicts what move you're going to make before you even know you're going to make it. And he's right, too, every single time. So, I mean, I thought Holiday played great from the Phoenix side of things. First thing I want to say is Booker. I mean, not really a whole lot he could do with Holiday on him, but I really feel like that Phoenix got away from what they did in those first two games to succeed, you know? Like, Turned it was an isolation ball. Exactly. And a lot of it was them, you know, finding Bridges and Cam Johnson in the corners to hit three pointers. I mean, Cam Johnson only attempted four threes. Bridges only shot one last night. That's absolutely inexcusable if you're Phoenix. I mean, be honest with you, I don't think Phoenix is going to get back to another finals. I think that was their one chance, and they definitely blew it. I mean, they were up 2 nothing, and I feel like they really got away from what they are doing. Crowder was 2-for-9. He couldn't throw it in the ocean in this series from 3. Still thought he played a good game, though, with his defense. And, I mean, he still had to have 13 rebounds, which is a hell of a lot for Jay Crowder. But, quite frankly, Phoenix was just not good enough. And, look, I wouldn't put the blame for this game on Chris Paul. I actually thought Chris Paul showed out and played a good game. I mean, he scored at 26 points, which is not usual for him. Five assists. He did have minus eight plus minus, but I mean, that was one at Booker. That was better, a lot better compared to Booker and Bridges, who were minus 15 and 18. But Chris Paul played a weird game at the same time. It was like he almost deferred to campaign when he was in the game. I don't know if Chris Paul was hurt or banged up or what it was, but it was a very weird series from him. We watched him dominate in the first two games, and that was the reason why the Suns won in the first two games is the way Chris Paul played. I really feel like it was almost like he didn't want part of it. I'm not going to say he choked it away, but, I mean, I just feel like you have to get more from Chris Paul. He's to take over and play like Giannis did in this series. I feel like Giannis, you know, put it on himself. I didn't see that from Chris Paul, and I think that's what hurt Phoenix. Yeah, so I think Chris Paul played well. 
um, especially last night, I don't think he played aggressive enough. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here. He he just didn't – the ball should all, should be in his hands. I know that Devin Booker is a good playmaker. I get that. But when Devin Booker had the ball, it turned into more isolation. And whether you had Drew Holiday or you on – or whether Drew Holiday was guarding you or not, it doesn't matter. Two-on-one, you're, you're going to tire yourself out. So I, I thought Devin Booker could have used his teammates a little bit more in that game. Uh, but I also think on the flip side that Chris Paul could have demanded the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, when this season – or sorry, when this series started, I told you the only way the Suns lose this game is inexperience. Uh, I think that showed. DeAndre Ayton started the series off pretty well and kind of got outplayed by Brooke Lopez those last couple of games. Brooke Lopez played outstanding uh, last night. So the thing is with, with the Suns, right, they, they don't have playoff experience on this team. Uh, other than I think Jay Crowder was the only one. Um, so Chris Paul, I mean, he's never been. Devin Booker's like they're, they're really young. So I think they can learn a lot from this series. But at the end of the day, they they didn't know. They just weren't aggressive in the moment. Like it's almost like they were just playing basketball, not realizing it's the finals. You need to turn it up a little bit, right? Aiton just could not hit any shots. Booker didn't shoot the ball great throughout the entire series, scored a lot of points, but he didn't shoot the ball great. Like, it, something was off with Phoenix. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Milwaukee's the champion. Milwaukee deserves to be the champion. They outplayed him. Giannis put in a legendary performance. And you know what? He is 25, maybe 26 years old. He has a defensive player of the year. He's got a championship. He's got a finals MVP. He's got two league MVPs already. Watch out, league. Yeah, no, I mean, Giannis's achievements that he has at this point in his career are absolutely crazy. There's not a whole lot of uh um there's not a whole lot of guys, you know, that are left that can really do what that Giannis does. And I mean what they, he's also they, he, he's also the only player, the only active player in the NBA, unless you think I'm forgetting someone. I think he's the only active player in the NBA that can actually win a title without a super team. And that's because of his defense. Yeah, but I don't, I I don't mean, think anyone else can do it on their own. And he's not on his own, but I don't think anyone can do it. I mean, Chris Middleton's a fantastic basketball player, and I think he proved he's better than a lot of people think he is. But his two best players behind him are Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday. I don't think a lot of people win a title with that team. No, see, I agree with you there on that part. I just don't think that he deserves as much credit for doing it with the cast that he did it with just because of the road he had to go down, you know, like he played an Atlanta team that was injured. He played a Kevin Durant who almost beat him playing one on five by an inch because his foot was on the line, you know, like I really just don't feel like that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He played well. And I mean, he deserved to win those. Like he stepped the heck up in that series against Kevin Durant. I just feel like that, you know, he won based on these circumstances and I'm not going to necessarily knock him for that. I mean, that's part of what sports is. Every team has to deal with injuries in every sport. That's just the fact of life, you know, but I don't think saying that he does it without a super team needs to be like that harped on of a point because he would have gone down. He was going down for sure before the Nets got all his injuries. I mean, the Nets have three top 15 players in the NBA when they're all healthy. So it's, it's, that shouldn't even be a team that's allowed to be created. I, I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, like it, it just shouldn't. I mean, that's like a team that you 
player in NBA 2K, you turn his salary caps off, you turn forced trades on. Yeah. You make a team like that. That's what that team is. So, I mean, you know, I, I understand. I don't think you're, like, discrediting, discrediting um, Giannis. I think you're just saying maybe the path wasn't as hard. But he also – his numbers that he just put up in these finals are literally something that's going to be talked about for the rest of time. I mean, at least the rest of his time and after him because – I don't know when you're going to see numbers. Like, I mean, he was averaging like 40, 10, and two, two blocks. Like, he, he was unbelievable in this series. I don't think, I don't know off the top of my head, but has anyone ever put up the numbers that he just put up in a clinching game? No, I don't think anybody ever has before. So, I mean, definitely a legendary performance by Giannis. And Coach Bud, you gave him credit before. Um, He's getting he, he's getting an extension now, so I get. I mean, I hope Bucks fans liked him because I kind of feel like a one eighty. Like they did, a lot of fans didn't really know if he was a good coach or if uh, they, if he was going to stick around. He was like on the hot seat. I mean, I was talking about it, I was on the hot seat. You could go to ESPN, rewind their tapes. People were talking about it, I was on the hot seat. And he wins it all. So, um, well, just as much it, as Giannis it, was one inch away from being knocked out of the playoffs, Coach Bud was one inch away from being the new coach of the Pelicans. You know, like he was the, it's like, the, a, like Frank Vogel doesn't really get a lot of credit for last year's Laker title. Uh, I guess the team doesn't really get a lot of credit for last year's title, but Vogel gets none of the credit. So, I, you know, Coach Bud doesn't really get a bunch of the credit. It just goes to Middleton and the uh, Giannis and the players, I guess. But listen, good for good for Coach Bud. Um, that that parade's gonna be a lot of fun in Milwaukee. I'll tell you that. Sixty five thousand people is what they were saying were outside, outside the stadium. I don't know how much the arena holds, but that's. I didn't know Milwaukee. How many people does Milwaukee have? That might have been two thirds of the population. Shit, that might have been the whole state in, in Milwaukee right there. So, no, I de- definitely one hundred percent. I mean, that's gonna be one hell of a parade and whatnot. I mean. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, like what's next for each team here. Obviously, the Bucks are going to bring everybody back. Um, also got to give a little shout out to Bobby Portis. I would argue he might even been the second best Buck on this night. I mean, it felt like he was the enforcer. I mean, it felt like he was in the Suns' head. Like you saw that one play where he wouldn't let Chris Paul get by him. It was hilarious to see that go down. I mean, Bobby Portis played a tremendous game. Ultimately, though, for the for the Bucks, you know, I feel like they're going to have to get better because they're going to have to take probably take down a healthy Brooklyn team. Philadelphia is going to go out and try to get better. I mean, the Bucks are going to have to do something this offseason, you know, to get a little better. Yeah. Um, I mean, typically you, use, you lose a couple players. Like, it, you know, P.J. Tucker could could easily retire. He's he's 30-something. Mm-hmm. He's definitely slowed down. He's not shooting the corner three as well as he used to. Um, and he just got a ring. So, like, it, I mean, he doesn't have to prove anything to anyone at this point. So, you're going to lose someone. Um, it just kind of depends on who uh, their core is still going to be there between uh, Giannis Middleton and Drew Holiday. So that's always good. So it's not like a total rebuild, but you know, for the Suns, the Suns have more to worry about than, than the Bucks because well, for starters, Chris Paul may not come back. He's, he's, I think he's on a player option. So he has the option to decline it and uh, kind of go elsewhere. I, I I don't know what's next for him. Like he's not retiring. I'll tell you that. But does he run it back with the Suns and and try and get back, or does he just ring? Is he in ring chase mode? You know, I don't I know. Think, that that that's gonna be 
acting for him. No, I think Chris – so Chris Paul already said he was in the decline that for sure. But I think he's personally going to re-sign with the Suns. But I don't think he goes ring-chasing mode yet. I think he kind of – you know, like, I don't think he's going to be like that Gary Payton was when he won the title with Wade in Miami. Like, I don't think Chris Paul's at that stage yet. Like, I still think he's, like, you know, still a somewhat valuable player. But I could definitely see Chris Paul, you know, getting to that point in his career where he just wants to go straight ring-chasing mode where he kind of does like that. But I think he still sticks around in Phoenix for one or two more years. The real question is, if you're James Jones here – do you really want to give Chris Paul a four-year, $120 million deal again? I mean, I feel like he's going to demand something like that. I personally don't I mean, don't want to re-sign Chris Paul to a four-year deal as old as he is at this point. I mean, Chris Paul has been a very injury-prone player, and he's been healthy the last two years. I feel like the injury is coming once again, especially with how deep and wear and tear this run had on his body. So I would say no as well, but I also it, – it's a dangerous no because you can't – who are you bringing in that's going to have the impact he had? I do agree with that. I mean, if you run it back with campaign, so, I don't even know if you're a playoff team anymore. I, well, I, I mean, campaign, I thought he was fantastic in this series, but the, there's a big difference between campaign and Chris Paul. Major. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would say no to that kind of deal that you mentioned the four year, but you also have to have a backup plan. Mm hmm. If he, if, you know, if, if you don't sign with that and your backup plan can't be bringing someone in. So, you know, like the war set in baseball wins above replacement. Well, Chris Paul's is probably very high. So <laughs> you have to replace that if he goes elsewhere. Um, to your point, I don't know if he goes ring chasing mode yet. He's, he's pretty old. He, he's, he's getting up there in age. He's, uh, I'm assuming he's like, how old? He's right around LeBron's age. Yeah, he's he's 36. No, I think he's 36. 36? Yeah, because he played two years when he was in college as well, so he's definitely older than a lot of these other guys are. So, uh, I mean, I I don't think he has four or five more years left. I don't think he's going to play for five more years, to be honest with you. I I honestly think he's got two – I think two at max, two, three. I'm going to say two. I don't know. I, I could see him leaving. I, I also think he enjoyed his time in Phoenix. I think he enjoys that young core, knowing that he it, it's not all on his shoulders, that he can take some regular season games off, mm-hmm. kind of stand in a corner and let Devin Booker do his thing. It, if I am the Suns and Chris Paul re-signs, let's just say he comes back for a, a one-year, two-year deal, uh, he's probably not going to want to do this, but I would talk to him about maybe taking the Kawhi Leonard route, like Take some load management games. You're going to get into the playoffs if if Chris Paul is on your team with with Booker and Aiden getting better, Bridges and all these. Like they have enough talent to get to the playoffs without Chris Paul. I mean, the, if the league allows it, which they do with Kawhi Leonard and other players, why not take advantage of it and have Chris Paul try and keep him healthy to the playoffs? That that's what I would probably talk about. Now, that's a tough guy to convince to do that, but if you can pitch it in a way that it's better for him and it's better for the team for him to be a hundred percent in the playoff, then there's your case. But you know, I don't know. That's, that's a tough discussion to have. It it depends on what kind of deal he signs. If he's signing a four year deal, then, you know, they're not going to do that. But if he signs a one year deal and they're going all in for, for next season, that's something I would consider. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it definitely is tough to decide what you want to do with Chris Paul ultimately. But I think you got to try to get him to come back for that two-year deal. You know, you still need him there. You still have a little bit of a chance here to get a title, get a ring here in Phoenix. So you definitely have to do that. I mean, this is still a young team, like you said. You know, they're going to come along. They're going to get better. I mean, they still have some they, years. They got to add a big man for sure. Their hmm. their wing player, their wing players are good. Um, they have enough scoring on their team. They can improve at at you know some defense, rebounding, and depth at the big man position because. I mean, listen. Shout, shout out Frank Kaminsky. Thought he played some really he good did. minutes last some last night. But you know, uh, sorry, Wisconsin fans and uh, Frank the Tank's uh, family, but it, he doesn't cut it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, too, um, back to kind of what you said about load management and whatnot. I actually think it is smart to load manage a little bit in the NBA. I think like when you play back to backs during the season, I feel like on the second leg of back to back, you want to sit somebody or you know like give a guy if you're like thirty. If you're if you're thirty seven years old, it's certainly understandable. If you're twenty six or twenty seven, then get your ass on the court. No, I agree with you completely on that. Or like play them less minutes certain nights, you know, like less yeah. like certain nights play like definitely manage. I'm I'm believer in more managing minutes as load management rather than sitting out games, you know, unless like you said, you know, you're the older guys like that. But regardless, still, I think you have to manage guys minutes a lot more, especially when you're on back to backs and, you know, just throughout the season and whatnot, just because, you know, the game's a lot more fast paced, a lot more athletic game that used to be, you know, it used to be just post up and throw it into Shaq or Dirk or whoever it is and let them go to work in the paint. Now it's run up and down, down the court, court, shoot a ton of th- threes, make athletic plays on the wings, you know, like the game's changed a lot and there's a lot more players who get injured because of how much more athletic the game is now. So I feel like that, you know, you got to be smart with managing people's minutes, but I do agree with you. The older guys definitely let them, you know, miss games every now and then, but the younger guys get your ass on the court. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, trying to think is there anything else we really need to hit on on this podcast i think it's kind of a quick one today shout out jeff teague yeah, sh- the ring. yeah shout out jeff teague and coach bud both the atlanta boys got a ring you know i was happy to see coach bud get a ring i really was you know i felt i felt i felt bad for him a little bit just because you know his teams always have such great regular seasons and then they underperform so much in the playoffs and like i really feel bad for milwaukee with what happened last year i guess the biggest thing is that i liked about milwaukee's championship run it's the fact they kind of exercised their demons you know they got revenge on miami in the first round and not only did they take revenge but they made a statement i just remember after that first game of the playoffs specifically that Milwaukee, you know, they that first game they made like six threes or whatever and beat Miami in overtime. Everybody was saying, "Oh my gosh, Miami's going to win this series or whatever." They came out in the second game and they smacked the living shit out of them. Like they they outscored them by like twenty points in the first quarter and just absolutely blew them out of the water. And I think that's what I'm going to remember most is that they in the first round they did not only beat Miami but they demoralized them and just absolutely like just kicked the shit out of them. It's like that UFC fight where the fight starts, the guy throws one punch and misses and he gets hit in the face so hard he gets knocked down and gets knocked out instantly that's what they did to Miami and it was kind of like they rolled from there I mean they had a bloodbath against Brooklyn they survived by an inch and then obviously they got past injured Atlanta but hey you know they got it done at the end of the day you get you have opportunity you have to seize it there's teams all the time there's players all the time that have opportunity and don't seize it give them credit for what they did so I guess here's here's something that'll be real quick that I'll ask you just your what's your current top five in the NBA top five players players so i've actually been talking about this a lot today and i think i mean me and you were texting back and forth about it too obviously and i think i finally narrowed it down 
Number one spot in the league, I'm giving to Kevin Durant. I mean, best player on oh, the my. planet by far right now. It's tough for me to do to know what to do with LeBron because the LeBron I saw at the end of the season it looked like shit. Like the LeBron I saw at the end of the season is not in my top five. No way. How did he look in Space Jam though? I actually haven't watched it yet. I'm thinking about watching it tonight. Um, so I'm going to put LeBron, like, I'm going to put LeBron out of the equation for now. You know what I mean? Like he can easily jump back in at that number two spot, or he can definitely, we'll see the decline of LeBron James. I don't know which one we're going to see here. My number two spot here, I'm going with Curry. Just because Curry had nothing around him. And I mean, he played some of the best games I saw in the playoffs, even though his team got knocked out. So I'm giving Curry that two, that two spot. Number three. I'm giving it to James Harden. He could still do everything. Obviously, he was injured before he got injured. He was much better than that. Number four, I'm going to put Giannis just because, you know, Giannis is still limited. He can't really shoot. And then at five, I'm putting Luka. So that's my current top five. Um, I think there's a lot of players that are very close in talent, but I think those five guys are just a little bit better than everybody else. What about you? I'm going to go Durant number one still. Okay. Um. I'm going to go Giannis too, because I don't care that he can't shoot. He clearly doesn't affect him. Yeah. Three Curry, Steph Curry, uh, not Seth Curry, obviously. <laughs> Number four, I, I'm going to include LeBron. Um, okay. I, I don't hate he, it. He's in, he's in the top five until he says he's retired. So, uh, and then he's top two of all time. Once he says yeah. he's retired. Um, so I'll put LeBron four and, uh, you know, fifth is, is kind of a rotating spot for me. Um, I'm okay with saying Luca. I'm okay with saying Damian Lillard. I'm okay with saying James Harden. Um, those are kind of like my rotating three guys. I, I put all three of those guys ahead of, um, Kawhi at, at this point. I have them ahead of like Anthony Davis at this point, but I mean, those guys are in my top 10, but the rotating of Luca James and Luca James Harden and, and Damian Lillard for that five spot. Um, that would be it. That would, that would be my top five. I, I think Durant, Durant's going to be hard to pass for me. It's just, it's just the way it's going to be. Um, I, I get that Giannis, might have a better resume or, or his resume is creeping up on Durant's for sure, but it, it'll be tough. If Giannis can shoot some consistent free throws, and I'm not saying he's got to shoot 80%. If he can just get it like in the 70s, then he's literally going to average 40 points a game. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that one. I mean – And at that point, he's the best player in the league by far. I mean, oh. if he's, if he's yeah. that unstoppable – well, also, too, though, you got to think about this. In this era now with faster-paced teams, there's not really traditional big men in there that could stop Giannis as much. So that definitely plays to his favor a little bit, but you can't really hold that against him. But that definitely helps him more. I mean, just like it helps all these other jump shooters with all the new rules with shooting and hand checks and, you know, all that stuff, too. So definitely, I mean, there's definitely rules in the game to help scoring out and whatnot. But I definitely think Giannis, I like the way Giannis plays. Let's put it this way. He's my favorite big man just because I like how that he uses, you know, the new NBA, everything to his advantage. I mean, Aiton's probably the best defender at moving around guarding perimeter people, and he ate him alive last night. Aiton looked like that cornerback. It looked like one of the Falcons corners last season. That's what he looked like. (laughs) I I just think... Like you're not wrong, you're not wrong when you say that about Giannis about the defenses. But there's there's been a you know anomalies in our league before. Like I mean, when Yao Ming came in, everyone was like, "Who the hell is this dude? And why are you so tall?" 
Yeah. Like when Shaq came in, like there wasn't anyone that was even close to guarding Shaquille O'Neal. The only way you guarded him was by fouling him, putting a bruise on his arm if you could, and sending him to the free throw line. Like, which is what the only thing you can do with the honest right now. And bless it's game six of the NBA finals. So it, you know, is he supposed to apologize for being 250 something pounds? And, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't like to look at it as like an unfair advantage that Giannis has. It's yeah, he's that much better than everyone. And he's not even, I don't even think he's untapped hundred percent into his skill set yet. Like he, he was hitting some mid-range jumpers, specifically the turnaround ones in the post. I mean, what if that becomes part a part of his repertoire? How, how do you stop that man? No, I agree with you completely. I mean, he was unstoppable last night. It's definitely – I mean, the Nets had no answer for him. I mean, really nobody had any answer for him in the playoffs, so. No. So, he, dude, he, he could dominate for some time now. If he just continues on this role, like, he, he could just dominate for some time. No, I agree with you. Hey, I agree with you completely on that one. Um, All right, so for all you guys coming up, this next week we're going to have an NBA mock draft podcast. Then after that, we might wait one more week before we start hitting on football just because, you know, we got some time and whatnot, and you want to let, you know, some more information get out there. I mean, especially in college football, there's so much turnover and whatnot, so it's tough, you know, to get information until right before the season starts. But we'll have NBA free agency podcasts, obviously, for you guys, which I'm sure will be packed with a bunch of crazy trades and all kinds of stuff. Then after that, it'll be football season previews. Me and Ben were already texting back and forth today, trying to figure out some football stuff. So lots of good stuff coming up for y'all. I can't wait for the Friday picks podcast to be back. That's always the best part of every single week. So we're almost there guys. The lights at the end of the tunnel, but as always, we appreciate everyone who tuned in once again, to today's podcast, and we will talk to y'all once again soon.